Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is June the 7th, 2022, only 10 days to go to one of the great anniversaries in world history. In 10 days, it will be 50 years since the Watergate uh, break-in of the Democratic National Committee headquarters, the original gate of all the gates, for those <laughs> people who don't know anything about the um, the, the legacy of, uh, of Watergate, when President Nixon got caught supposedly um, robbing or undermining the Democratic uh uh, the democratic establishment. We've done lots of shows on Watergate in the past. Actually, not that many, but we did one or two. We did one with Dwight Chapin, who was a, a, a Nixon loyalist. He seems to think that, uh, in at least in his book, The President's Man, of course, a play on all the President's Men, that Nixon didn't really do anything wrong and that he was somehow a victim of the deep state. We also had John Dean on the show a couple of years ago talking about Trump and comparing Trump and Nixon. John Dean was one of the Nixon people who turned against him. Uh, he had a book out, The Authoritarian Nightmare. Uh, and um, to celebrate, if that's the right word, the 50-year anniversary of the break-in, um, we have uh, a really interesting guest with a, a fascinating book. I'm not sure how seriously we should be taking it, but it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's fact or fiction, but in either event, it's brilliant. It's called Scorpion's Dance, The President, The Spymaster and Watergate. Um, and my guest is Jefferson Morley, who is, uh, as we joked earlier, Jefferson, uh, talking to us from an undisclosed location in Washington, D.C. I hope you're not in the Watergate buildings, Jeff, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm a couple of miles away, and that's as specific as I'm going to get. Good. Well, I'm sure they're all after you, all those deep state people. Yeah. Uh, people will also be familiar with uh, Jeff. He um, He's the editor of JFK Facts, the story of the assassination. He's an old, uh, he's an old uh, Washington Post foreign correspondent. I was, um, I was never a foreign correspondent. I was an editor and a reporter. Okay. I never well, went you, overseas. You, you did work for the, the Washington Post. Yes. You're the author of Our Man in Mexico and CIA and JFK, The Secret Assassination Files. And what you seem to have done, Jeff, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, is you've linked Watergate with the JFK assassination. You're not the first or probably the last, but you've done it in an intriguing, compelling way. So explain the argument in Scorpion's Dance. Well, Scorpion's Dance refers to this uh, dance of power between the 35th president, Richard Nixon, and the 8th director of the CIA, Richard Helms. Uh, Helms was the director of the CIA for Nixon's entire first term. And uh, it's the story of how these two men dealt with each other. And really, I argue, how their clandestine collaboration actually led to the Watergate fiasco that wound up bringing them both down. But it constantly in the in the in their very tricky, uh, complex relationship, the assassination of JFK is a constant factor. Um, what Nixon and Helms uh, 
Senator Howard Baker, the co-chair of the Senate Watergate Committee, said Nixon and Helms have so much on each other that neither of them can breathe. And, and, and really, this book kind of unpacks what they had on each other. And one yeah. of the things that they had on each other was the CIA's efforts to assassinate Fidel Castro in Cuba. Those yeah, it's interesting. Were... Uh, I'm jumping in here. Sure. Um, uh, we did a show, actually, um, on Cuba uh, a, a couple of weeks ago with Ada Ferrer. Her book, um, Cuba, uh, an American History, just won the Pulitzer Prize. She doesn't, of mm-hmm. course, talk about your conspiracy theory, but um, she makes it's, it clear. I, I don't have a conspiracy that, theory. I don't have a conspiracy well, theory. Well, your, your theory, let's leave out yeah. the conspiracy. Um, it is a theory, though. I mean, it's hard to prove. Um, no, no, no. It's a fact that Nixon and Helms both worked on and were knowledgeable about CIA assassination. Right, right. No, but let, let, me finish, uh, let, let me finish, Jeff. Okay. In terms of this relationship between Cuba and America, and we yeah. in fact talked about the Godfather too in this with uh, Ada Ferrer, um, uh-huh. that Cuba and America were bound up. That was a kind of scorpion's dance as well, although the scorpions were of different sizes. Mm-hmm. So coming back, so let, let, let's go through the narrative. Or As I said, I, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory because people don't take that very seriously, but it's still a theory of Watergate. So yeah, right, yeah. So, so hold on, let's, let's just be clear about what you okay. are and aren't saying. Yeah. The break-in is real, right? Absolutely. So, so Nixon with his, his paranoid and with his Holderman and Dean and all the others, they organized this break-in of the Democratic uh, 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 National Committee headquarters in the Watergate offices in, in D.C. Yeah. Then what? Then what happens? Well, the burglars had been put together by Nixon um, because he wanted to take on the anti-war movement. Um, Howard Hunt, the retired CIA man, had been recruiting in Miami for the past two years looking for men for national security missions. One of the things that's important to understand is the Watergate burglary was not the only burglary that these guys carried out. Um, They were involved in up to at least seven different operations against Chilean government targets in Washington and New York in 1970, 71, 72. So this, this squad of burglars was composed of former CIA men, five of the seven had worked for the CIA in the past, four of the seven had worked for the, for the CIA in the past. And what I show in the book, one thing that was happening was that we didn't really know at the time was the intelligence that was gathered by the burglars did not just flow back to the Nixon White House, it also flowed to the CIA. Both Howard Hunt and James McCord, two of the former CIA men among the burglars, had back channels to CIA Director Richard Helms, um, which we have been established by other by their so, testimony. So, so by just to jump in, so sure. so Helms knew exactly what was happening. Yes, yes. I mean, you, you can't prove that he knew the Watergate burglary was going to happen in advance, but we do know that Hunt was passing. Hunt and McCord were passing what they gained, what they obtained via burglaries, back to the CIA. So. The, the hand of the CIA was much more real. The role of the CIA was much more real than they said at the time. At the time, the CIA said these men were retired and we've had nothing to do with them. And that was okay, so, a cover so, story. So that's probably not that unrealistic that the CIA 
had they they may have even been bugging Nixon, right? Uh, well, certainly, um, you know, Helms recommended Howard Hunt to Bob Haldeman. He said he's ruthless, he's quiet, he's careful. That was in June 1971, a year before the burglary. So, you know, Helms knew Hunt was kind of his man in the Nixon White House, and Hunt was very conservative, like Nixon, and so. He, Helms was a good manager. He matched his asset, Hunt, a right-wing Republican, to a right-wing Republican. Uh, okay, so 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 then the the big thing is, and again, I apologize if I keep on jumping in, but I want to get to the core of, of your sure. argument. Um, the smoking gun is the tape between Nixon and Haldeman. Is your argument that this tape... Um, was given away by the CIA. This is the weapon that Helms had in the Scorpions dance with Nixon. Well, what 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 Helms had was that he had helped Nixon on this project. He had recommended Hunt to him. Right. So with the smoking gun tape, it refers to when that tape came out in July 1974, the smoking gun was it showed that Nixon had tried to suborn the CIA, get the CIA to stop the FBI investigation. And Nixon instructs Haldeman, how can we get Helms on board? He says, tell him this is going to blow up the whole Bay of Pigs thing. And as I show in the book, that was a kind of coded reference to JFK's assassination. Right, and you have this thing, who shot yes. John, which is yes. about, of course, at least in your view, the the assassination of 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 JFK. Coming back to the Bay yeah. of Pigs, which we talked about in my conversation with Ada Ferrer, this was in 61. So you're saying in, a, in April 61. So you're saying that um, this, 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 whilst it's part of the narrative, it wasn't the core piece of the narrative, right? The, the, the who shot the Bay John of Angle? Pig. No, the Bay of Pigs. Oh, the, the the Bay of Pigs, that was, Nixon was referring to the Bay of Pigs, but when he summons Helms to the White House and he asks him, he say he says, I want the, I want what your, your history of what happened at the Bay of Pigs. And he's explaining why does he want it? Because Helms has been refusing to give it to him for two years. And Nixon says, and we have it on the tape now, he says, why does he care? He wants to know about the who shot John Angle. Nixon right. thought that the answer to the Kennedy assassination was in the CIA's records related to the Bay of Pigs. And when the when the Watergate burglars are arrested and Nixon wants to get Helms's cooperation, he reminds him, you're vulnerable on the whole Bay of Pigs thing. They had had that it, conversation. Mildly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not yeah. sure if that's the right word uh... Jeff, I mean, he, if, if, if what you're saying is true, he organized the assassination of the American president. Well, or he was hinting that the CIA was very vulnerable on that very question, which was true. And Well, very and what, vulnerable is different from being behind it. Uh, I, um, have you uh, listened to Dylan's uh, Murder Most Foul? I, I've written about it extensively for you. Yeah, Dylan. it's a brilliant song. <laughs> it was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, a day that will live on an infamy. This is the core. This this is what draws you to this narrative, right? You you seem to be more interested in JFK than you are in Nixon. Is that fair? Uh, well, uh, I think I think I think JFK is the turning point in the consolidation of the national security state in America. So it's a very important point in 
the uh, uh, in American history. And what I say in Scorpion's Dance is that ten years later, when the Watergate affair erupts, you know, the question of who killed JFK is still a, a very much a live issue behind the scenes at the highest level of the U.S. government, namely between Richard Nixon and Richard Helms. They both have to keep this secret buried, and that's part of that's part of their why, dance. Why? Why? How much did Nixon have to lose here? I mean, the, the crime of the crime of a burglary or lying about a burglary pales in comparison to the crime of organizing the assassination of a of a sitting American president. Why wasn't? Why didn't Nixon just come out and tell people? Because he, he what what he only wanted that information for one reason. He thought he was going to be running against Teddy Kennedy in 1972, and he wanted to slam the Kennedy legacy. He wanted to 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 attack Teddy Kennedy by attacking JFK and saying he was a bad president. In but in the, all of that, he wanted to defend the CIA from the proposition that they oh, were okay. involved. Okay, so if in he Kennedy had if he had uh, revealed the CIA was somehow behind the assassination, that would have probably guaranteed the rehabilitation of the well, not the rehabilitation, but a new cult of Kennedys and Teddy Kennedy. Right, right. Like, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to, and he tells Helms, you know, I I like the Department of Dirty Tricks. I've lied for you before and I'll do it again. You know, Nixon is very clear. He will cover up the CIA's JFK secrets. That's so so what, can, I want to sure. get to the, the core of this, because for sure. me, I think the JFK fact stuff is, is really interesting. Was, in your view, the CIA's involvement in the assassination, was it payback for Bay of Pigs? Why were they behind it? I think that's the most likely explanation. I think Nixon Nixon understood that the, the assassination had emanated from people in the CIA and people in particular who felt betrayed by Kennedy's uh, abandonment of the CIA rebels at the Bay of Pigs. And this is not a, you know, conspiratorial or unusual opinion. President Harry Truman came to the exact conclusion with the days of Kennedy's assassination. Wait, but no one assassinated Truman. That's why the Washington Post and wrote a that, no, no one assassinated Truman. Truman said in December 1963 that the CIA should be abolished. That was his reaction to Kennedy assassination because he too felt that the assassination had, had probably emanated from the clandestine service. So coming back to the, the core yeah. argument in, in Scorpion's Dance, um, it certainly ended well for this guy, Richard Helms. Most people, when they think of Helms, think of Jesse Helms. Uh, and when they think of secret policemen in the Nixon administration, they think of J. Edgar Hoover. But for you, this guy, Richard Helms, is the man behind uh, everything. Is that fair? Well, I wouldn't say everything, but he was certainly um, he was certainly Nixon's enabler. Right. He, he gave Nixon Howard Hunt. He recommended Howard Hunt. Without Howard Hunt, you would not have had a team of of CIA burglars. So Helms's hand is very clear right there. Also, your reference to J. Edgar Hoover is apt. You know, when Nixon was looking for hardline allies in his own government to expand domestic surveillance, right? Nixon wanted to spy on his enemies and he wanted to spy on the anti-war movement. When he tried to enact these policies, 
he got Helms's full-throated support, whereas J. Edgar Hoover was much more wary. You know, we think of J. Edgar Hoover as the arch-reactionary and kind of the repressive guy of American government in the mid-20th century. But in fact, in the Nixon administration, Helms was much more supportive of Nixon's darkest instincts, much more supportive than Hoover. Hoover did, actually- did, uh, did Helms have any, I mean, we all know that uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover had a cupboard full or many cupboards full of personal secrets. What about Helms? What was he, what was, he, he looks, I don't know much about him, but he looks like a standard Republican apparatchik from Washington, D.C. He, he, he was. Helms was the consummate bureaucrat, um, affable, low-key, um, people who worked for him really liked him, clean desk, um, moderate in his, in his habits. Um, but, uh, a highly effective operator and an aggressive, you know, hardline anti-communist. So he supports Nixon wholeheartedly on the war, on expanding the war into Cambodia, for example, which a lot of Nixon's cabinet was did not support. Helms did support that, and also the expansion of domestic surveillance. So Helms is a very, you know, in, instrumental figure in the Nixon administration's policies and national security policies. Uh, we did a show with the American essayist, I bring this up often, uh, Trapped in the Present Tense, uh, Colette Brooks, Meditations on American Memory. Uh-huh. And actually, a lot of the book is about JFK again. Uh-huh. Do you fear that you yourself are trapped in the present tense? I mean, what is the point? I mean, there's obviously some his- historical curiosity. But given the, the paranoid nature of America at the moment, why add another conspiracy theory here, Jeff? I, I didn't add a conspiracy theory. I'm, I'm not offering a conspiracy theory. I'm not defending a conspiracy theory. Uh, I mean, I, I, I return to this subject because I think that the power of the CIA in the American scheme of things is underrated. And I think that what we even today. Now, yeah, I think it's different today. I, um, uh, one thing that I hope that my books do is kind of demythologize the CIA and portray it for what it is, which is a powerful institution in the Washington power scheme um, and that has its own way, you know, of of making its will felt. Um, I'm not trying to encourage paranoia about the CIA. I'm trying to encourage realism about the way it operates and how it influences uh, uh, the wielding of American power. Let's say that your theory in Scorpion Dance is proved to be at some, some, some brilliant uh, investigative journalist like yourself actually finds a smoking gun on this and proves it. Proves what? Proves what you're saying that 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 uh, war that 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 Nixon and and Helms were involved in a scorpion's dance behind Watergate and that Helms and, and Helms was somehow behind the assassination of JFK as well. Uh, what impact would this have, do you think, on America in 2022? If, if it were shown demonstrably that CIA personnel were involved in the assassination of President Kennedy, I think the CIA would probably be reorganized. Its, it, it, its budget would be cut. It would suffer. Its reputation would suffer. Um, and so, you know, the Kennedy assassination remains a highly sensitive subject for the CIA to this day. So a, a damaging revelation about that would damage the CIA today. I don't think there's any doubt about that, even though it's 
so many years later and the people who were involved are are all dead you're a deep state guy you you even have deep state um mm -hmm. t-shirts on your jfk page mm -hmm. what if what distinguishes you from Trump in, in some ways, uh, as we speak, there's a trial now about Trump's behavior in January 6th. Trump was no great fan of the CIA either, and he believed in the deep state. Yeah, I don't I, know what I, his opinion I, I, is I on the, the assassination of JFK. I don't even know if he knows who JFK was. Yeah, um, uh, my conception of the, of, of, of the deep state is, is very different than Trump's definition of the deep state is anybody who works in a in the government who doesn't like it. My definition of the deep state is the secret intelligence agencies of the United States, which are, there's 17, they have a combined budget of about 50 to $75 billion a year. Their budgets are black. We don't know what they spend that money on. We only, we barely know how much each of those agencies get. Um, and so that unaccountable or that invisible power wielded by those agencies is what I call the deep state in the American context. More generally, in, in context of global civil society, I look at many countries have deep states, which are secret intelligence organizations that wield power you know, beyond the view of the public. And that's a discourse that people see in countries like Turkey, uh, Israel, Russia, um, so it's a it's a global phenomenon of in, in, intelligence agencies, you know, wielding uh, state like power with beyond the view of the public. So there's the American context and there's the global context. Um, and so and I, that's why I write these books is because this is something that's not well taught in our universities, just how strong these agencies are, both at home and abroad and how they function, how they carry out, you know, how they execute their missions. Um, we mentioned Murder Most Foul. You said you've written about it. Dylan's wonderful song yeah. about his, perhaps his final song about the assassination. He seems to be in your camp in terms of its significance that, uh, the, um, the, the lines that most, I think, resonate with me. I mean, the whole song is a masterpiece. Yeah. He, 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 he writes or sings, don't worry, Mr. President helps on the way. Your brothers are coming. they will be hell to pay. Brothers? What brothers? What's this about hell? Tell them we're waiting. Keep coming. Yeah. We'll get them as well. Um, yeah. Dylan, I mean, who knows? I mean, he's different from you. He's an odd character and hard to pin down. But he seems to make the JFK assassination. Perhaps this is his final song, the greatest American cultural figure of the 20th century. He makes the assassination the key event in American history. I assume... Yeah, I think I, I I think that's right, and I think I mean I think the, his kind of mythic take on it. You know, the title comes from Ham, um, from Hamlet. You know, when 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 Hamlet's the ghost of Hamlet's father comes back to him and says, "Look, I I, I didn't die a natural death. I was assassinated by my wife and and my, and my rival, and you have to do something about it." And I think Dylan's song is he's like he's like the ghost of Hamlet's father. You know, like. Here it is. You have to do something about it, you know. Um, and uh, you know, like Hamlet, we don't know what to do. But but that is the dilemma. It, it is this this thing that happened in American history, and it's it's very unresolved. We don't we don't really know what happened. We don't have a good explanation of it. And Dylan's song, he's really just kind of moping and brooding about how is that possible? You know, how how could the 
the president of the United States be gunned down in broad daylight and no one was ever brought to justice for crime. Like that, that, the impact of that, he's really grappling with that. And I think that's, I think that's very important. That's why I return to the JFK story again and again. It is a key Yeah, moment. and uh, certainly um, people should be listening to Murder Most Foul as they read uh, Jefferson Moyer's <laughs> new book, Scorpion's Dance, The President, The Spy Master, and Watergate. They might also watch uh, Oliver Stone's film about JFK. I know you're a big admirer of Oliver Stone. What else should people be reading or watching or listening to in addition to your new book, Jeff? Well, you know, I there were some fine books that I read going into this book, um, and uh, uh, I, I would like to cite them. One was called The Quiet Americans, which is a, a story about CIA officers, kind of in the same vintage as, as, as my other CIA books, the first 25 years of the CIA. And uh, this book really captures how uh, the prime of the CIA in the 1950s, um, when the period in which uh, Richard Nixon and Richard Helms uh, come to power. There's another book called King Richard by Michael Dobbs, uh, mm. Washington Post, uh, a very fine portrait of, of Nixon, the character. Um, uh, and, and, and what, would Dobbs, what, what would Dobbs say about your thesis, do you think? Have you talked to him? Uh, I have not talked to him about it. He doesn't. He doesn't emphasize the role of the CIA in the whole thing. Um, I think that you know what what's in my book would probably be news to him. It's 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 not a story that is generally known, even by people who are studying the period very carefully. 